Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving into a big book study today. Today we are doing The Family Afterward, a very important chapter so often overlooked. We'll be starting today at the bottom of page 125 with the words, many alcoholics are enthusiasts. So up to this point, The Family Afterwards, there's been a few critical points. One of them, one of the main points is right at the beginning. And this is the question. Are we looking to our families? Are we looking at our jobs? Are we looking at our personal relationships still to see what we can get out of them more so than what we can put into them? If we are, there's going to be trouble. The second one is that the family is going to require time to adjust. The alcoholic is a damaging person And so it's important that we give our family time to adjust, that it says something like 20 years, you know, whatever number of years you may have been out there drinking and causing trouble doesn't go away in a moment. And the third thing that we really want to think about in the family afterwards is how do we control ourselves? This chapter is actually written while we're still convalescing. The concepts around it are that we're new to sobriety, and many of us that have been around for a number of years still can benefit from the ideas and suggestions and the direction given by the family afterwards. So as we get into this new piece, this new section, part two here, we take on this dichometric idea. One of them is that we go headlong into trying to earn money and make up the financial damages as best we can. And the other one is that sometimes we go way too far with the spiritual stuff. And it's kind of funny how Bill puts these things together for us. One of them is sort of embraced by the family, the money side, and the other side is the God side and maybe not so embraced. So so here we go, bottom of page 125. Many alcoholics are enthusiasts. Like, I don't know about you, but I was an enthusiast. I was a wild turkey enthusiast, and I thought I knew everything there was to know about bourbon. And that pretty much was the only thing I was truly enthusiastic about. Anyway, they run to extremes. At the beginning of recovery, a man will take, as a rule, one of two directions. He may either plunge into a frantic attempt to get on his feet in business, or he may be so enthralled by his new life that he talks or thinks of little else. In either case, certain family problems will arise. With these, we have had experience galore. All right, think about it. Here we go. We think it dangerous if he rushes headlong at his economic problem. Yeah, it's just us putting our head in the sand. We don't want to put our head in the sand, and money is not going to solve your family problems. The family will be affected also. Pleasantly at first, as they feel their money troubles are about to be solved, then not as pleasantly as they find themselves neglected, you know, yet again, right? Dad may be tired at night and preoccupied by day. He may take small interest in the children and may show irritation when reproved for his delinquencies. Don't tell me what not to do, right? If not irritable, He may seem dull and boring, not gay and affectionate as the family would like him to be. Oh, see, now he's not doing what the family wants him to. Tension's beginning to build. Mother may complain of inattention. They are all, they're all, all, everybody, they're all disappointed and often let him feel it. Beginning with such complaints, a 
barrier arises. What's that barrier called? Resentment. That's what it's called. He is straining every nerve to make up for lost time. He is striving to recover fortune and reputation and feels he is doing very well. So there's a problem there, right? Family doesn't think it's going so good, but I have money. You have everything you ask for and need. Why the tension? That's the dad's point of view or the alcoholic's point of view. Sometimes mother and children don't think so. Having been neglected and misused in the past, that's something all of us alcoholics have done to our family. They think father owes them, owes them, is in need to give them in return, owes them more than they are getting. They want him to make a fuss over them. And sometimes like, we'll do this too. We'll grovel at their feet and we'll think of terms of to surrender, like to be submissive or to be self-deprecating and things like that. They expect him to give them the nice times they used to have before he drank so much and to show his contrition, which is a state of feeling sorry for what they suffered. But dad doesn't give freely of himself. What? An alcoholic? Resentment grows. He becomes still less communicative. That's so true of us, right? We withdraw, isolate. Sometimes he explodes over a trifle because we don't need much of a reason to really blow up, do we? We just need the opportunity. The family is mystified or confused, completely confused. They criticize. Hmm, That always works, right? Pointing out how he is falling down on his spiritual program. I mean, how many of us have been through this conversation? It's almost funny reading it because I got a little story when we're done anyway. This sort of thing can be avoided. Both father and the family are mistaken, though each side may have some justification. Hmm. It is of little use to argue and only makes the impasse worse. I love arguing. How could it be of little use? How could you take that? Anyway. It's not helpful to argue. So what we want to do at this point in our family, especially if you're new to recovery and this always works, no matter how long you've been sober, is to not compete, not compete. In other words, don't correct or don't try to be right about right and wrong, true and false, like and don't like, and good and bad. Just allow people to have their perspective, that patience and kindness, it's going to get to that. Anyway, Bill goes on and says, The family must realize that dad, though marvelously improved, is still convalescing. There's that hint that we're we're early in this. This is uh this is brand new sobriety. This isn't something where, you know, this is going on forever. There's a indication in underlying in this also that the steps are in play, that the alcoholic dealing with the family afterward has some idea, a notion of how to employ the spiritual toolkit, the 12 steps. So he goes on, they should be thankful he is sober and able to be of this world once more. Let them praise his progress. Let them remember that his drinking wrought all kinds of damage that may take long to repair. If they sense these things, they will not take so seriously his periods of crankiness, depression, or apathy. (laughs) Cranky, depressed, and apathetic. That's how our family will see us from time to time. We may come across that way. From time to time. Sounds like restless, irritable, and discontented. Bill just used a different set of words. Crankiness, depression, or apathy, which will disappear where there is tolerance, love, and spiritual understanding. 
So when we don't compete on the basis of right and wrong, true and false, good and bad, like and don't like, when we just allow people to have their perspective, their opinion, if someone's telling a story, let them tell it wrong. What difference does it make? When we can bring tolerance, love, and spiritual understanding, we win. It's our job to do that. The alcoholic's job is to be the demonstration of spiritual principles. Hmm. The head of the house ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home. Hmm. Ownership. He can scarcely square the account in his lifetime, but he must see the danger of over-concentration on financial success. Although financial recovery is on the way for many of us, we found we could not place money first. Do not place money first. Your family comes ahead of that. For us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress. It never proceeded. All right, so that's a really important line to remember. Once again, working the steps, focusing on mastering and becoming skillful at the use of the spiritual toolkit. By doing so, by becoming a constructor of our own lives using the spiritual toolkit, we will get these other things back. We don't focus on them specifically. We focus on becoming good at using the steps in all our affairs. We practice. We build in skill and understanding. So one more time for us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress, not nose to the grindstone, not 60-hour work weeks, not neglecting our family not being irritated, not being discontented, not being apathetic. It followed spiritual progress. It never preceded it. He goes on, since the home has suffered more than anything else, it is well that a man exert himself there. Your energy is to be focused on the home. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. Hmm. We know there are difficult wives and families, but the man who is getting over alcoholism must remember he did much to make them so. Ownership. As each member of a resentful family begins to see his shortcomings and admits them to the others. Ooh, let's go back and read that because I don't remember that happening in my family. As each member of a resentful family begins to see his shortcomings and admits them to the others. Ah, wow. He lays a basis for helpful discussion. So we go first, right? How do they know to do that? If they're not in AA, how do they know to do that? It's because us in AA are doing that. Us in AA begin to see our own shortcomings and admit them to the other people in the family. That lays the basis for a helpful discussion. These family talks will be constructive if they can be carried out without heated argument, self-pity self-justification or resentful criticism but those are all my coping skills dan dan how do i but my family's attacking me and they you do hear you should hear my wife talks to me hmm that's not the deal see if we go back what we're looking for is unselfishness and love that's what we're to bring under our own roof right and we want to avoid heated argument, self-pity, self-justification, or resentful criticism. Little by little, mother and children will see they ask too much, and father will see he gives too little. Giving rather than getting 
will become the guiding principle. The guiding principle. The guiding principle. This is when you get off and you feel irritated. When someone says something to you that's insultive. When an old, old hurt gets drugged back up into it and you thought you would put it to rest after you've made amends. The guiding principle is giving rather than getting. We're not going to put so much weight on what we get from them and we're going to put our effort, we're going to exert ourselves on what we can give to them. And the idea is patience, kindliness, love, tolerance, understanding. Assume, on the other hand, the father has, at the outset, a stirring spiritual experience. Overnight, as it were, he is a different man. He becomes a religious enthusiast, which is just the way he enjoys it a lot, right? He is unable to focus on anything else. As soon as his sobriety begins to be taken as a matter of course, the family may look at their strange new dad with apprehension. (laughs) Then, as it doesn't get better, with irritation, there is talk about spiritual matters morning, noon, and night. He may demand that the family find God in a hurry or exhibit amazing indifference to them and say, He is above worldly considerations now. He may tell mother, who has been religious all her life, that she doesn't know what it's all about and that she had better get his brand of spirituality while there is yet time or forever burning hell, right? Whether father takes this tack, the family may react unfavorably. They may be jealous of a God who has stolen dad's affections. Little hints about to happen here. While grateful that he drinks no more, They may not like the idea that God has accomplished the miracle where they failed. That is so true of some people. They often forget father was beyond human aid. They may not see why their love and devotion did not straighten him out. That is not so spiritual after all, they say. If he means to right his past wrongs, why all this concern for everyone in the world but his family? Many of us do this. What about his talk that God will take care of them? Oh, God will take care of it, that bypass mechanism that I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to not be a part of it. Part of surrender, one of the things we got to watch out for when we use this term acceptance or surrender is complacency and apathy because it's neither one of those things. Acceptance means we're going to take action along lines that might be something we don't desire. Surrender means we're going to take action against what we were previously doing, an outside influence that we're going to follow the directions of AA, not be compliant with some list of rules, not be submissive to some circumstance, but to get out and actively do the steps of AA. So he goes on, what about his talk that God will take care of them? They suspect father is a bit balmy, like kind of warm blooded, you know? Like he's, he's not talking any sense. He is not so unbalanced as they might think. Many of us have experienced dad's elation. We have indulged in spiritual intoxication, like a gaunt prospector, belt drawn in over the last ounce of food, our pick struck gold. Joy at our release from a lifetime of frustration knew no bounds. Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time, He may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only, only, only if he mines it for the rest of his life 
and insists on giving away the entire product. Whew, there's a tough one. Let's read that again. It says that we have a limitless load of this gold that we struck called recovery or sobriety, right? We're recovered, which will pay dividends to us, which will continually benefit us only, only if we go after sobriety or mine it for the rest of our life and insist on giving away all of it. Wow. If the family cooperates, dad will soon see that he is suffering from a distortion of values. He will perceive that his spiritual growth is lopsided. That For an average man like himself, a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations, commitments, commitments we make to ourselves and to others, obligations, a thing that must be done, may not be so perfect after all. If the family will appreciate that dad's current behavior is but a phase of his development, all will be well. In the midst of an understanding and sympathetic family, these vagaries, which means he's all over the map, changes that are really hard to predict, of dad's spiritual infancy will quickly disappear. The opposite may happen. Should the family condemn and criticize, dad may feel that for years his drinking has placed him on the wrong side of every argument but that now he has become a superior person with God on his side. If the family persists in criticism, this fallacy may take a still greater hold on father. Instead of treating the family as he should or ought, you know, that he owes them, he may retreat or maybe move back, you know, go hide. He may retreat further into himself. That's dangerous, isn't it? He may become more self-centered and feel he has spiritual justification that Religious pride, you know, that sense that I'm better than other people as a result of being redeemed. I'm highly favored and chosen and things like that. It's dangerous, spiritual pride. And feel he has spiritual justification, an acceptable reason for being this way, for doing so. Though the family does not fully agree with dad's spiritual activities, they should let him have his head. Even if he displays a certain amount of neglect and irresponsibility towards the family, it is well to let him go as far as he likes in helping other alcoholics. That doesn't go on forever. Remember, the context of this is while convalescing. There will come a day of balance for the family. It's really important as us as recovered alcoholics that we work towards balance, harmony as it might be called in some circles, that we find the equilibrium of it all equanimity might be the philosopher's word, that we work towards these things so that we are able to meet the commitments we've made to ourselves and consequently to others. In other words, you got married and committed your life to a spouse. Keep that commitment and be sure to surrender that life to them in service to them. Same with your children, same with your friends, because the more important I make other people to me, the more important I'm going to become to other people. That's why giving rather than getting is the principle we stand on. If I can give and make people more important, then I will get the things I'm after, which is a sense of significance, security, purpose, and satisfaction. I can wrestle that out of life only one way, and that is being in service to God, but not in service to me. And sometimes we make that mistake. We spend way too much time in service to ourselves and not to our higher power. So it goes on. During those first days of convalescence, remember this is brand new, 
This will do more to ensure his sobriety than anything else, and that's why it's so vital. Though some of his manifestations are alarming and disagreeable, we think Dad will be on a firmer foundation than the man who is placing business or professional success ahead of spiritual development. He will be less likely to drink again, and anything, anything is preferable to that. So we'll stop right there. That's such an important set of suggestions in that piece of this book. And it just reiterates over and over and over again that success in relationships, success in relationships, whether they be by affection or by blood, by marriage and our immediate blood family, or from affection or from, you know, really the affection of money and work and career counts too. How we do this is through patience, kindliness, and tolerance. We look at the world from the standpoint of what can I pour into the stream of life? How do I give to this situation? Not what am I getting out of it? I am so quick in my life to want to give out of it. So my quick story on this, and and then we're going to send you off with the discussion, is my wife and I should not have been together by any standard. You know, things, words like codependency are sadly inadequate to describe the illness <laughs> my wife and I had together. However, with this knowledge, with this chapter under my belt, I was able to start to practice these things. And over a fairly long period of time, our relationship changed. And I'll tell you, my wife is not in a 12-step program. She follows a religious path of recovery. And she could see me demonstrate the things her religion taught her because I learned them in AA and began to ask about it. We actually had the conversation. It was important for me to be in touch with my character defects and be open about them so that we could have that discussion it talked about. And over and over and over again, making my wife more important to me has proven to make me very important to my wife. And that's true of my children. That's true of my work. It is so vital. This chapter harps on that over and over again, because this is why we're in AA. If you really think about it, losing money, well, we can probably get that back. When we lose trust, we have lifelong pain. And so do other people. We want to rebuild that trust. So as you think about this chapter, there's a lot of things in there that seem a little superfluous, right? Like I'm, no, I'm pretty sure that uh, everything wasn't fine and well and my family doesn't just come along because I'm doing so awesome. There's this idea that the money is good for a minute and then it, it becomes competitive with the family, right? And then there's this idea that God is really just annoying <laughs> because of how we come out treating our family. And what you're looking at is selfishness or self-centeredness on both sides. So The question I wanted to leave you with here for discussion or with your sponsor or in your group is this. How does the burden of selfishness or self-centeredness continue the alcoholic problem in your relationships? And how have you experienced, for anybody with any amount of time that's tried some of this, has patience, kindliness, and gentleness putting the other person first, thinking about them and how you can serve them, bringing calm into potential arguments, being humble when people draw up the ugly past, ownership, knowing that you played a role and how they think and feel about you, whether it's right or wrong, and maybe talk about how difficult it is to not compete with other people you have a blood or affection relationship with. 
So, you know, how have you failed? How has selfishness infiltrated your efforts to rebuild your family? And what did you do to fix that? And how has being selfless or focusing on the principle of giving rather than getting been powerful in your life and rebuilding your relationships? I hope you have a great discussion.